Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 23 of UAB Green and Told. Original air date, Monday, July 6th, 2020. UAB Green and Told gives us a chance to share the stories of members of the UAB family. I'm Greg Berry, Assistant Director in the UAB Office of Alumni Affairs. This week, we are joined by Cody Sellers, Spirit Coordinator here at UAB. Cody is a Birmingham native, and as he'll tell us, returning to the city he grew up in to coach the Blazers was something he was very excited to do. And she called me and said, I think you would be a perfect fit for this program. Is this something that you would consider? Is this something that you could consider right now in your life? And I said, um, I would love to. And he'll also explain how an off-the-cuff text to UAB's athletic director led to a fan-favorite pregame football tradition. As a joke, I sent a text to Mark Ingram, who was up in the president's box, and said, you know I have a Harley, and it just so happens to be green and gold. And the only thing he texted back at the time was done. Plus, he'll give us insight into the less glamorous side of being a Spirit Team member. They have that expectation of what we're supposed to look like and how we're supposed to deliver it to the fans, uh, but they have no idea that just to do those small little things takes so much time to prepare and get ready for that. Cody Sellers is an award-winning athlete. Not only was he part of a team that claimed gold at the International Cheer Union Worlds in 2010, he captured multiple national cheerleading titles as an athlete and coach at the University of West Georgia. A small-town Alabama guy from Graysville, growing up, Cody was an all-around athlete, playing football, soccer, and even wrestling. But what led Cody to return to Birmingham, and how did he get involved in cheer? I guess everybody has their own story about it, you know, It's and that's kind of what everybody's wanting to know is it's it's such an unusual thing, especially back then, to have a male cheerleader. Yeah. Um, coming off the football field, and I think I, I think it was sixth grade, my girlfriend at the time in sixth grade, you know, so long ago, was a cheerleader. They had a, a lay coach, a, a coach that would come in and teach them, you know, tumbling and some stunts and things like that. They kind of cornered me and my buddies as we were leaving the locker room. And I think it was their ending goal to have us cheer together. You know, it was like, I bet you can't pick us up in the air. That it was as simple as a statement like that <laughs> to hit on a sixth graders ego coming off the football field. And me and my buddy said, I bet we can. And that's kind of how it started. We went to practice and watched for a little bit. She showed us what to do. We did it. Surprisingly enough, we were able to do it without anybody getting hurt. And I kind of went home that night and was talking to my mother about it. And uh, I said, mom, I think I, I think I honestly want to try out for cheerleading next year. And, she, I mean, her exact statement to this day was, well, I always wanted a cheerleader. I just thought it would be a girl. <laughs> uh, and I was like, awesome, mom, thanks. Uh, but she supported me all the way through it. And, uh, you know, growing up, thinking about going from sport to sport to practice to practice, uh, especially before I was 16, you know, took a lot of time and commitment on my parents' behalf and my family's behalf. But we made it work, and that was kind of the – the downfall was as soon as I got in there and realized what it was about, the athleticism that that it entailed. And realistically, at that time, being around a bunch of girls and being comfortable in that atmosphere, you know, it was, it was a crazy experience. And it kind of led me to my ultimate career path. 
as a sixth, seventh grader, eighth grader, you probably didn't take it real serious. When did it really become the thing and a thing that you wanted to pursue and I guess just another sport that you could participate in? I don't think it really hit me until probably freshman year in college. Out of high school, I was set to go play football at the University of West Alabama. I'd received a, a small scholarship to go kick there. I was a kicker. So essentially my cheerleading career and everything that I knew about cheerleading was, you know, on the back burner now and in my past, it was just something that got me through middle school and high school. And I got to hang out with some people and meet, you know, a lot of new girls and a lot of new guys and friends and kind of break those stereotypes along the way. Freshman year at West Alabama, uh, I get to camp, summer camp, and it just wasn't the same atmosphere that I was searching for as far as a team atmosphere. And everybody goes through this their freshman year, but you come from a high school football team where you grow up with these kids. You go through middle school with them. You go through high school with them. I mean, that's your family essentially for the four years of your life. And then as I made that transition to college, you know, I couldn't tell you four or five names on the team uh, that played at West Alabama. So really? the atmosphere just wasn't there. So I kind of made the decision if I'm not here to play football and this isn't what I'm looking for in a team sport, what's my next move? So I did some research. I never even once researched, you know, college cheerleading programs, didn't know much about it. And I found the school, West Georgia, University of West Georgia, and I contacted their coach. Sherry Cooney was her name, and she, to this day, is, has been and will always be a lifelong mentor of mine. So once I got into contact with her, I found out real, real quick how serious cheerleading was taken at the University of West Georgia and, and what it could lead to in the future as far as a career and then helping my academic plan along the way. Playing football, wrestling, doing cheerleading, and playing soccer. What's the hardest sport, most challenging sport that you've played oh, or participated in? <laughs> oh, that's kind of setting me up for some things there. Uh, you know, I think probably the most physically demanding is going to have to be cheerleading. Only because it's all aspects of your body being used as far as a tumbling atmosphere a stunting atmosphere and then you throw in somebody else's safety i think that's probably the most important part is you know in football it's you versus someone else or you're tackling someone else uh you're in pads or in wrestling you know you're on the mat and it's you versus someone else you can kind of feel their movements as you go along and in cheerleading you know once i throw you if you don't do your job it's going to be really hard to catch you once you come down and then if you look at the tumbling side of things is I've got to get my body going as fast as I possibly can and then rotate and flip along the way. It's not a fast process at all, but it's something that you go through hours and hours of technique training just to have the confidence to run at full sprint and then flip your body over. You know, it's kind of a, a weird feeling, but as far as being athletically demanding, I think cheerleading adds so much more than every other sport can kind of compare to. You go to West Georgia, um, you're on the cheer team, and you guys have a lot of success. Uh, you were a part of two national championships as an athlete, and then five more as an assistant coach. What made that program so unique and just so powerful? You know, it was kind of this small Division II 
setting. Our alumni kind of built the foundation for us to kind of go off of. And I, I say this again, but Sherry Cooney has has and always will be a driving force in my brain. She took it very seriously as far as winning and what our job was to support athletics. And then because we did our job supporting athletics, that allowed us to be competitive on the cheerleading floor. Um, so we needed to take that just as serious as everyone else did. The time commitment we put in at West Georgia allowed us to be successful. The, the talented kids we had come in that all had the same mindset as far as we're here to support athletics, but we are ultimately here to win a, a college cheerleading national championship. That's our sole goal for the year. And when you get a group of kids together that have that same mindset, it's kind of hard to, to stop them. How long were you uh, at UWG? Cheered there two years. And that's, that's kind of where my story gets interesting is after those two years, I didn't have a career path in mind and cheerleading kind of gave me an out. I wouldn't say an out, but an opportunity to travel the world and teach cheerleading after those two years. And I did that for about three or four years. And then they made a coaching change. You know, the spirit coordinator moved on to a different full-time position and brought in Nicole Wiltsey at the time, who was Surprisingly, surprisingly enough, cheered at our, I guess you would say, rivalry score in the school at Slippery Rock. Okay. Um, but I also worked with her, and when she came in, I showed interest in you know starting my coaching career because it was already, I was already three years out of school, didn't graduate, uh, but three years out of school, didn't have a career path in mind, and I was getting back into school because now I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to coach cheerleading, and I wanted to coach it at the college level. So that gave me a, a clear career path as far as academics go, what I needed to accomplish to do that. Uh, so she brought me on the coaching staff as I was finishing up school. And that gave me five years of developing how to coach cheerleading, how to coach college kids, how to relate to them, how to relate this sport to their life and how to teach them that after your time is done here, the more important time starts once you enter your career field and once you start a family. So throughout those five years there, that kind of gave me the opportunity to develop who I wanted to be as a coach and how I wanted my kids to leave the program. And then at that point, you're basically transitioning from division two to division one, moving up to Minneapolis. You worked with the Golden Gophers for a handful of years at the University of Minnesota. What was that experience like with your first foyer into division one? Minnesota is where cheerleading started. You know, it's this the ground zero of cheerleading. You know, uh, <laughs> the first cheerleaders were developed at Minnesota. So to be a part of that program and have the opportunity was, it, it was not taken lightly. It was, I was very honored. Uh, and to have Sam kind of believe in me and bring me into their program and show me not only the coaching side of things, but everything else that goes with being a spirit coordinator as far as, you know, dance team mascots you have Goldie the gopher who is you know one of the most recognizable mascots in the country but also he's doing you know 250 appearances a year so that kind of falls under our department as well for them they had an ice hockey cheerleading team mm -hmm. a small co-ed team an all-girl team a large co-ed team so it was like this massively huge program that had one spirit coordinator multiple head coaches and you know some assistants throughout the program but coming from west georgia where you know our 
head coach and spirit coordinator was not a full-time position. Although the time commitment was there because we were all there to win. Yeah. Uh, it was not an office job. You know, it was not a nine to five. It was a, a practice job. Once I got to Minnesota and saw the grand scheme of things, as far as this is how big it is at D1A, it kind of even solidified my decision that this is my career path even more. You wind up parlaying the the job in Minnesota and you got the ability to move back home. What went into the decision to return to Alabama and to take the job at UAB? It couldn't have been more picturesque. I mean, it was the perfect scenario at the perfect time. A lot of things were going on in my life that, you know, some big changes were about to happen. I was, let's see, a month and a half away from getting married. I was a week away from accepting a full-time position in Carrollton, Georgia, where Georgia's at, to be a head gymnastics coach full-time. The way things worked out with Minnesota was I, once I was there for the year, a head coaching position opened up there, and it wasn't quite the position that I was searching for as far as the role in the program that I wanted to be in, um, and it didn't fit well for my family to make the move up there and then support us financially and move so far away from family to make that work. So then it became, you know, part two of what's my next step in life. And my wife was working currently at a bank in Georgia. We had a house and it was, everything was lining up for us to our lives to be in Georgia. Her family was an hour and a half away. My family was an hour and a half away. We were right smack dab in the middle in Carrollton. So it was almost like the perfect geographical location for us to be in and then I get the phone call from then spirit coordinator Ryan Martin saying that she had accepted the position at Old Miss uh, and she called me and said I think you would be a perfect fit for this program is this something that you would consider is this something that you could consider right now in your life and I said um, I would love to you know moving back to Birmingham has always been a, a hope and a goal Never thought it would be attainable just because of the career path that I was going to take. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, there's very select jobs that are open at this level that are one considered full time um, to give you the benefits that, you know, you kind of need to support a family off of. And when she made that phone call, everything kind of changed for us. You know, once we made the move and we get settled in and sold a house, bought a house, got married, baby number one comes and it's like, Oh man, um, we're all starting new career paths. And me and my wife had just started new jobs and just about every major life decision and choice that you can make happen within that first year of me being at UAB. So it was a whirlwind of emotion, but I'm happy that I had family around and her family was very supportive and we were back in Birmingham because I mean, that was, that was the dream job. And at the time, uh, football was just coming back. I mean, there was no football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, and I mean, you can add even more to the craziness factor of it was, you know, not only did I have so much going on in my personal life, then you have the return of UAB football, which being from Birmingham, UAB has always been, it's always been something you looked at. You, you searched for, if you didn't watch the game, you looked at the scores, you were following the scores more so then with basketball than football but if you were a uab fan you cared about it all and that's that's kind of i've always considered myself is i don't just go for basketball or just football it's 
that's not in a cheerleader's passion. You know, a cheerleader's passion is every sport. It's the university. It's it's every athletic team I'm following. So once, you know, the return of football was was brought up too in that call with Ryan Martin, it sold me even more. Um, having no idea the grand scheme of things and how big it would be and what it would turn out to be. You know, it was, it was more of accepting a job and, you know, being completely in the dark of what's football game day going to look like? You know, there's no ideas. What do we do on the sidelines? Where do we go? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we develop this atmosphere where we have fans who are willing to cheer with us and how do we get them to cheer with us? Uh, and that was kind of something UAB has always lacked was that, you know, crowd and fan participation at football games. So that was kind of my task and my goal as soon as I got on the campus was how are our cheerleaders going to interact with our crowd? How are we going to get them involved in the game? How can we make this a deciding factor of who wins and who loses the game? So that was step number one as soon as I stepped into the office was the return of football. And it was it was fun, but it was it was kind of crazy at the same time. It was, it was a lot of choices and a lot of going in, not having a clue what was about to happen and making those split decisions and uh, making the best of it. Whose idea was it to uh, drive the Harley? Out of the tunnel, leading the team out. <laughs> so we were, I think this was year number two. Uh, so not the return year, but the next year. We were at Charlotte for an away game. And I specifically remember it, and I don't think I'll ever forget it, but their mascot drove out on a moped. A little, <laughs> you know, a little mini, mini dirt bike looking thing. Uh, of course, their mascot's outfit allowed them to do that. Uh, if we were to try to do that, you know, in blaze, I don't know how it would work with wings and a tail. Um, but as a joke, I sent a text to Mark Ingram, who was up in the president's box and said, you know, I have a Harley and it just so happens to be green and gold. And this is completely random out of all things that my bike ends up being green and gold. And the only thing he texted back at the time was done. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. What did I get myself into? So a week goes by. I think we had another away game the next week. And the Thursday before our next home game, I get a a text from Bryant uh, Carter. He's like, so what's this about you driving out your Harley for game days? And I said, oh, man, it's happening. It's it's really going to (laughs) happen. So he was like, I just need to get my head wrapped around it. We've got to talk to the field staff you know, kind of figure out the logistics of everything. And he was like, send me a picture of your bike. And I was like, all right. So send him a picture of it. And he was like, oh, it's happening. It's for sure happening. <laughs> um, so once we kind of figured out the logistics of it, it was, you know, get your bike into Legion Field before the bomb sweep and figure it out as we get there kind of thing. It was never really set in stone as this is when you'll pull up. This is the route you'll take this is when you go. It was get your bike there before the bomb sweep and we'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. So we did, we figured it out. I mean, the first time I drove on AstroTurf or a football field was the first (laughs) time I drove out of the tunnel and man, it was, uh, it was a feeling like none other. I'll tell you that it makes you feel pretty tough when you have a full football team running behind you and you're sitting there on your Harley. It's a, it's a different feeling. But I think once I pulled up into the tunnel and the team got behind me, you know, the fans are going, the fight song's playing, and they start rocking that big dragon head, and I'm revving the engine. 
it's uh it doesn't get much better than that to be honest with you everybody gets to see the glamorous side of the spirit squads uh the cheerleaders the golden girls blaze but they really don't know what goes into the glamorous side of game days and you know them all dressed up there's a lot of work that goes into (laughs) becoming uh, a game day ready cheerleader or dancer you guys practice a ton talk a little bit about kind of what you do throughout a normal typical week to get ready for game day so we have four practices scheduled a week. Uh, each practice lasts two hours. This is for our cheerleaders. Our Golden Girls practice three hours a week, uh, so a total of six hours. And our cheerleaders do a total of eight hours. Those, during those two-hour practices, we come in, we work our pyramids, our cheers, our band dances, our fight songs. You know, these kids at any particular time have 12 band dances memorized that as soon as you press play, that first eight count of that music, they have you know, a minute dance that they automatically know what it is and what's coming and kind of to develop that mentality. As far as once the band starts playing something, you have probably three seconds to decipher what the song is, what your motions are. And then above all that, you've got to do it perfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, So we spend most of our practice times going through and preparing just for those scenarios especially leading up to football season. We do a week of practices before the first football game, before they get back to campus. We kind of have a float schedule during that week, but I'd probably say we do at least 20 hours during that week. You know, rep and band songs, going over cheers, going over dances. Man, there's so much that goes into it. Um, They also get together with themselves outside of practice. The older girls kind of show the younger girls, this is what you're supposed to look like at game day. They do their hair, they do their makeup, uh, even going as far as putting on the uniform and what it's supposed to look like when you arrive. And, you know, as soon as you hit the football field, what are you supposed to look like? Uh, Kind of the expectations of everything. But that typical week is on top of football games. You've got basketball games, you've got volleyball games, and then we have appearances. Uh, On top of all that, you've got your full class schedule mm-hmm. you've got labs you've got study hours so it, it it takes a lot and most people don't see that they just see us show up at a game and they have that expectation of what we're supposed to look like and how we're supposed to deliver it to the fans uh, but they have no idea that just to do those small little things takes so much time to prepare and get ready for that growing up as a as a kid i i grew up with Goldie. Uh, I'm a Minnesota guy, so I I can relate to the University of Minnesota, but there's no mascot quite like Blaze. I mean, he is so lovable, but he's just not a thing where you you put the suit on and he's ready. He needs to have certain expectations on him too. And that's kind of the biggest challenge I would say is to my position is Blaze gets requested for appearances probably i would say 300 appearances a year wow um as far as requests go now we cannot feel anywhere near those request numbers we probably do 110 for blaze to get ready it takes a seasoned mascot at least 30 minutes yeah and that's minimal and then on top of that once they get out of the suit it's going to take another hour for them to get the suit back to the storage area 
shower and get ready for class. So that 15 minutes now has turned into almost two and a half hour, three hour part of their day. It's a lot to, to kind of take in some, something like Blaze. You know, the suit is not something you can slip on and off. There are a lot of things that kind of go into making Blaze look game day ready. You know, we talk about cheerleaders and dancers, but there's a, there's a big step of keeping Blaze looking the way that he's supposed to look. So that's part, that's, that task is laid upon our mascots. We've got, uh, currently we have four separate mascots. So they're all set with cleaning the suit after every time they wear it. They have to brush them. They have to make sure that everything is kind of folded up the right way. And that's anytime Blaze goes out in public. So anytime we want Blaze to look his absolute best and make sure that he looks the same every time he goes out into public. What's your aspirations for the team? Where do you want it to go? So currently we just, we just switched divisions as far as a competition aspect goes. Uh, we just went to an all-girl competitive team uh, for cheerleading. That's kind of been, I wouldn't say my dream, but I consider myself to be an all-girl coach as far as coaching those college-level females to get the most out of them, to to just grow that competitive atmosphere that's inside them already. Currently, that's where we sit. We will still have guys on the sidelines, and the ultimate goal is to have a competitive co-ed team and a competitive all-girl team, a competitive dance team, and then a competitive mascot. So in the grand scheme of things, we would have, you know, three nationally competitive spirit teams within this program. And I think that's something that we can definitely develop here at UAB, especially with the backing of our university and the academic side of things. UAB is such a highly touted academic university, but you know, with that, you have to come to UAB for academics first. Uh, and that, I think that's what I've, appreciate most about my kids and my athletes is academics will always come first that's you know my number one priority is what's your next step after life or after this college life is what's your career path what's your career goals and uab helps develop that so much more than i see other universities develop that so i think that's the ultimate goal is to have those four competing programs nationally ranked but then for our kids to graduate and be ready to go out into the real world and, you know, fully be prepared for their next step of life. And I tell them this all the time is these next four or five years of your life is the last time that you're going to have summers off, you know, weekends off anytime during the day off, because once you start your career, you know, you're lucky to get weekends off. You don't have a Christmas vacation or a summer mm -hmm. vacation. So I try to get them to enjoy that as much as they can while fulfilling our huge time commitment to the university and athletics. But I think helping them see the bigger picture of things is, is kind of the ultimate goal. You mentioned you want to be competitive at competition. Recently, you went down to nationals and you actually fared very well. Talk a little bit about that experience and how big that is for the program. So this was our first year competing uh, Division 1A All-Girl. This puts us in a category with Alabama, Oklahoma, Western Kentucky, Penn State, uh, a lot of powerhouse universities. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the Power Five universities, this is the competition they go to, this is the, the, the division they compete in. 
Previously, we had competed in a small co-ed division, uh, which gave us four guys on the mat with 12 females on the mat, but put us kind of in a smaller group, still Division 1A, but also Division 1 was kind of entangled in there. It was like, if I were to compare it, it was like competing in the NIT, but the ultimate goal was competing in the NCAA tournament. Okay. Uh, that's the best comparison I can put uh, kind of in, in terms there. But we w- we've always wanted to compete against the bigger programs. We've always felt like we've had the girls to do it, the talent to do it, and we're in the area that we can recruit for it. So once we made that decision, our girls were excited about it. Our alumni was excited about it. We came down and to make finals in year one uh, was a big deal. So we started, I think, with 21 teams, and they took the top nine to finals. So just getting through to the second day and competing against the big teams was our ultimate goal. Just getting to day two means we beat out some powerhouse programs mm-hmm. and programs that have been competing in this division for you know, 15, 20 years, 30 years since the competition has been there, kind of showed our kids that this is where we need to be at. This is the level we want to compete at and this is where our program is going. Once we finished sixth, it, it kind of even more solidified our next step and how likely it could be to be very competitive on a national level in this division. That's Cody Sellers, UAB Spirit Coordinator. Cody joined UAB in 2017 and led the team to the national finals this past winter. As a leader of university's spirit squads, Cody definitely has an idea of what it means to be a blazer. I think to be a blazer means that you live with passion, um, that you live with a good will inside your heart. Being from Birmingham means something a little bit different. There are good-hearted people in Birmingham that truly care about the wellness of others, that you don't get that feeling in every other city that you've been to. Oh man, that's such a loaded question, but I think the passion and being good-hearted is probably the biggest thing of that. Be sure to keep up with our episodes as soon as they're released. Visit our podcast page at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold. While there, shoot us ideas for future episodes or email me at greenandtold at uab.edu. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. Help us reach more alumni by submitting a written review and rating us. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for at UAB Alumni. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go Blazers!